In the midst of uncertainty, difficulties, and challenging times, we need the ability to be resilient. This message is entitled, Resilient. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. I'm going to share with you today a little differently than normal. We are going to get into God's Word in just a moment uh, and a message I believe will be relevant to what we're facing as a nation right now. But before we do, uh, I've been doing quite a bit of reflection and thinking over the last uh, week or so here in terms of what's happening in our nation. I want to read for you some of my thoughts that uh, I hope will have meaning for you today. My wife and I have been in ministry for over 43 years. It's hard to imagine, but for four decades, we've shared ministry together, called to ministry when I was about 19 years of age, and then not long after that, entering into ministry. It's been an amazing four decades. We've been the senior pastors of Church of the Redeemer about a month shy of 34 years. It's an incredible. July 13th, 1986 was our very first service here at Church of the Redeemer. Uh, we sought to pastor and point people to God's word for the answers to life and for the answers to eternity. That's always been our heart is to really preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God, because we believe that Jesus is the answer to every issue that we face in life. And his word is the guide that will get us to those answers. To say that this is a very trying season for all of us is a gross understatement, especially for our African-American brothers and sisters. As much as I heard over the horrible, evil death of George Floyd, I cannot fathom the pain in our African-American community. The disenfranchisement and systemic injustices in this community over the years have resulted in deep hopelessness, hurt, and pain. Terry and I heard over the horrible loss of George Floyd's life, but we also hurt deeply because you're hurting so deeply, especially regarding issues that go beyond this one event as wicked as this one event was. The deep and persistent levels of racism in our nation and in people's hearts is something that deeply hurts the heart of God and it hurts our heart. Since the death of George Floyd, I've been doing some deep reflection and prayer and a lot of listening and a lot of learning. And as I come to you today, I come to you as a pastor. I come to you to do what I have done for almost 34 years here at Church of the Redeemer. I'm gonna to attempt to do my very best to take us to the only hope and the only foundation for life, God's word. I hope that you'll pray with me and, and pray for me as I share a message today that I pray will strengthen, encourage, and help you. I believe that this is a message that God has given to me to share to us today to the best of my ability. And what I'm gonna share with you today, I'm gonna to talk about the power of God to do for us what no one can ever do for ourselves. Let's address the issues of our heart. My message is taken today from an Old Testament prophet. His name was Elisha. Elisha was a protege of the prophet Elijah. He was a student. He was a servant of Elijah. Elisha served Elijah faithfully. He watched that amazing moment when Elijah was taken into heaven in a fiery chariot and a whirlwind. It was an amazing moment to see. And the one request that Elisha had in that moment for Elijah before he went to heaven, before Elijah was taken up into heaven, Elisha said, I want a double portion of what you have, Elijah. And in fact, God heard that cry and heard that prayer. And there was a mantle that came upon Elisha, a double portion mantle. It's proven by the fact that when you read and study this, the, the story of Elijah's life, he, he has 16 recorded miracles in the Bible. And Elisha has 32 recorded miracles. Isn't that amazing? that there's exactly double the amount of miracles. He had a double portion of anointing upon his life. You can do that math. One of the first miracles that Elisha performed was a story, an event that happened in the city of Jericho. 
It was a story of the healing of the waters of Jericho. I'm going to read you this story from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. And I do believe, as I will share and as, as this message unfolds, as you stay with me through this message, that you will find something, we will all find something that brings healing and restoration and encouragement and instruction to our lives as we're facing one of the most difficult times that I can remember in the life of our nation. 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning in verse number 19. The people of the city, this is the city of Jericho, said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Bring me a new bowl, Elisha said, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it, saying, This is what the Lord says, I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained pure to this day, according to the word Elisha had spoken. I believe that this story has a lot to teach us today in the context of what we're going through, the pain that we're feeling, and the future that we're contemplating. And I'm going to share with you three things that I feel like God placed upon my heart as I was studying this passage, as we're talking about the supernatural power of God to change things, to change people, to touch people's lives. I want to share with you three things that I learned out of this passage, and I hope that you'll hear with your heart today. Let's all of us allow God to speak to us through His Word. The Word of God is the only thing that will get us through the most difficult seasons of life. We need His Word. We need to hear from heaven. The first thing that I noticed out of this passage is that God is a God who gives us resources, resources to live by. The city of Jericho was in trouble. It had a deep problem, a significant problem, and I'll get to that problem in just a few moments. But before we get to the problem, I want you to notice something that's quite interesting in verse number 19 of 2 Kings chapter 2. It says, the people of the city said to Elisha, look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad, that's the problem, and the land is unproductive. It was very interesting for me to see how these people described their city, even though they had a major problem that they were facing. Before they talked about the serious problem they were facing, they acknowledged something that I really didn't expect them to acknowledge. Before speaking of the problem, they described their city as well situated. Think about that for a moment. How in the midst of a city, when you had a problem with bad water, water is essential to everything, how can you say that your city is well situated when you have bad water? It seems a contradiction of even terms for them to make that statement. That word or that phrase in the Hebrew language, well situated, is a phrase that means there's something that has positive potential here. There's something that has positive opportunities here. It was not a word necessarily describing what was, but what could be, what could happen. This city is well situated. It's sitting on the edge of something that is absolutely possible, absolutely great that can happen here, but we're missing something. We're well situated, but we're not there yet. Favor was perhaps available, but they were not experiencing the full dimension of favor. And blessing was available, but they were not experiencing the full dimension of blessing. As I thought about that, I was reminded of the fact that when we're facing uh, difficult, challenging, painful times like we're in right now, it's so easy for all of us to lose sight of our resources. Our God is a God of resources. And this is especially true for all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. See, I'm not talking just to the general world today. I'm talking to all of us who are part of 
God's family. We're part of the family of believers. Our first identity is an identity with the kingdom of God. We're children of Almighty God. And first and foremost, we're believers in Jesus Christ. And in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our heartache, and in the midst of our hopelessness, it's very important for us to stop just for a moment, to stop just for a moment and to acknowledge the resources that God has given to us. We are not hopeless. We are not powerless. We are not doomed to a hopeless fate of which we have no control. We have the power and the promises of Almighty God. I want you to listen to what the Apostle Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Grace and peace be yours, in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given, notice that, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It's helpful to know a little bit about the circumstances that Peter faced in his own life and the, the people to whom he wrote faced as well. See, when Peter wrote 2 Peter, it's the last letter that he will ever write. It's near the end of his life. I'll talk about that in a moment. And he's writing to a group of believers who are facing terrible persecution. They were being mistreated. Why? Because of their faith in Jesus Christ. All kind of horrible things were happening to them. And in the midst of their horror and in the midst of their pain, Peter writes these words, he has given us every resource we need for life and godliness in Jesus Christ. It was not just speaking to them, but actually Peter was speaking to himself. Peter wrote these words somewhere in the mid-60s of not his age, but uh, the, the, the 60 AD, and he's going to die in, in, in probably less than a year and be martyred for his own faith, crucified. And so he himself was being persecuted, and yet he said, God has given us every resource that we need for life and godliness. They were going through a very difficult time, but they looked at their resources, just as Jericho, before they talked about their problem, they talked about their potential. We are well situated, but we have a problem. Can I remind you today, just as a believer in Jesus Christ, that we're not hopeless, we're not powerless. We still have available to us the resources of God. And I'm gonna share with you six resources that you have in your life. These are very applicable to what we're going through today. Number one, Jesus Christ is in us and we are in him. Isn't that wonderful to remember? That whatever we're facing right now, Jesus is in us and we are in him. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I, I, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Second of all, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Notice that. God needs some witnesses in the world. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. John 20, verse 22, Jesus was with his disciples and the Bible says, and with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, we have the word of God. It's amazing to consider we've got the very thoughts, the very word of God extended to us. And as a psalmist who treasured God's word, David, who went through so many difficulties in his own life, he gives us his word in Psalm 119, 105. He says, your word is a lamp for my feet and it's a light on my path. Fourthly, we have the privilege of prayer. 
Think about that for a moment. Prayer matters. Prayer makes a difference. Prayer changes things. Prayer is not just us talking to ourselves. It's our appeal to the Almighty God who listens and answers us when we cry to Him. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Listen to these words. Let, them, let, let these words find access to our hearts today. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Notice this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Number five, we have the opportunity to be a voice for redemption and positive transformation in our world. See, God did not bring you into this world without purpose. God has given you and me the opportunity to be a voice, to be a witness, as I used the word a moment ago, for redemption and for positive transformation. I love what the Apostle Paul said, again, in Romans chapter 12, 21. He faced all kinds of challenges and mistreatment in his life for preaching the gospel, but he writes these words after talking about us living in love. He reminds us in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then number six, what resource do we have? We have the grace of God to give us strength. There was a time in Paul's life when he faced a difficulty that he couldn't seem to shake. He'd prayed and asked God to remove it from him, but he still was finding himself struggling with this issue. He prayed three times, and then God spoke to him something that's so vital in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Paul says, Then he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, Therefore, all the more gladly, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. See, God said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In every season of life, it's very important for us to see ourselves first and foremost as believers in Jesus Christ, as a part of God's family. And it's also very important as the members of God's family for us to remember the resources that God has given us and to never give up hope. Even when it looks hopeless, don't cave into hopelessness. We are never hopeless as believers. Abraham taught us this. He had a promise that he was going to have a son and he waited and waited and waited and the son did not seem to come. The, the birthing of it, that child that God promised didn't seem to, to, to be something that was going to happen and so he was losing hope and Romans 4.18 reminds us of what Abraham did and what you and I need to do as well against all hope. Abraham in hope, in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it has been said, so shall your offspring be. See, even when... It seemed impossible to hope that something was going to change. Abraham, against hope, held on to hope. I want you, perhaps against any feelings of hopelessness that you have in your life right now, to hold on to the very thing that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. We have hope. Dear one, I want to tell you that you are not ordinary. You're extraordinary. You're extraordinary because Jesus Christ and his spirit lives in you. You're not hopeless. You are a child of the almighty living God. God is your father. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you're in his family, and God has resourced you. 
The second thing I want to share with you today as we look at this passage is the story of Elisha and this healing of the waters at Jericho is to remember that problems are real. The presence of resources doesn't negate the reality of problems. Let me say that again. The presence of resources does not negate the reality of problems. Jericho had some wonderful potential, but it also had a huge problem. Listen again to verse 19. The people of the city said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated, has a lot of potential, as you can see. But, here's that key word, but, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Jericho had bad water and it was a major problem. There was a problem in Jericho that needed to be fixed. Ignoring the problem would not fix the problem. It needed to be addressed, but it needed to be addressed the right way. It needed to be addressed God's way. Jericho needed a permanent fix, not a superficial fix. See, there was a problem. There was a problem under the surface of the city that needed to be addressed. The water of Jericho was contaminated, and because of the contamination of the water, people's lives and health and futures and potential and the productivity of the city was restricted, all because of something underneath the surface that, that was a problem. Water, the very thing that was supposed to be a source of health and blessing and a supply that was supposed to irrigate crops and make families flourish, it was having the opposite effect. Why? Because it was poisonous water. It was contaminated water. What it was supposed to do, it was doing the opposite. Instead of refreshing, it was destroying. And the problem was under the surface. The problem was the spring that supplied the streams of the city to cure the problem the source had to be addressed. See, some things are only healed in life and changed in life when the source is addressed, when the source is healed, when the source is transformed. It's true nationally. I think all of us should be aware by now that there are roots, root issues of racism and injustice that are propagated by broken, contaminated systems in our nation that need to be transformed. We need public servants of all parties and all persuasions who will forget about politics and, and take care of people. Public servants who will choose to do things differently in righteous ways and to restore and build broken trust and to work in areas of our national systems where systemic racism and injustice have been propagated for, for so many years. George, George Floyd's death, I think, pointed to the issues that are deeply ingrained in our culture that are evil, that are bad. To watch a man fight for life for almost nine minutes with someone's knee on his neck is so painful and yet it re reflects to us something that should never, ever happen in America. It should never happen in our world. Yes, there's a problem underneath the surface nationally, but also it's true for us individually. Not only does the heart of the nation need transformation, all of us need transformation too. See, when our hearts are contaminated with prejudice and with blindness and with racism and with hatred and with division, with unrighteous anger and bitterness. And we could go on listing all the kinds of things that get into the heart of people. As long as these things are in us, 
then nothing is going to change either. We'll continue to have problems. So you can change the laws and you can change the policies and you can change the systems and they need to be, all these things need to have some change and transformation, but none of these things will ever change a human heart. You can't change a human heart by systems and policies and laws. You can help an environment and help a culture and rightly so, but we need the bad water of our world healed nationally, yes, but also individually in us. As I've been reflecting over these last days at a very personal level, and I believe for all of us at personal levels, we need what only God can do. We need a true Holy Spirit birth revival. I told you earlier that all I can do and all I can be for us as a congregation is your pastor. That's all I can be. That's all that I can do. And I want to say that this what we need more than anything else. Yes, we need all these things that I've just described, but on a personal level, we all need a true Holy Spirit birth revival. And I'm going to say it this way. It doesn't start with you. It starts with me. There's an old song that I reflected on this week. It's not my brother or my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I think that if all of us were to stop for a moment and say, it's really not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, God, that's standing in the need of prayer. See, I can't be, you can't be, none of us can be a part of the solution if our heart has problems. See, if I have a contaminated heart, I can't decontaminate the world around me. I can't be a, a vital force of help to, to the issues of the world unless my heart is decontaminated, unless all of our hearts are decontaminated. Jericho had something under the surface that hindered, that restricted, that was potentially going to destroy this city. It had bad water. And what is in the heart has the capacity to either bless us or potentially destroy us. Proverbs 4, 23. Let me read the Passion Translation for you. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. Nationally, yes. Individually, yes. Problems are real. The third thing I'd like to share with you today, and I hope this will kind of turn the corner we have resources, yes, but resources do not negate the reality of problems. Problems are real. But the third thing I want you to remember today from God's word and from my heart to the best of my ability to share God's word with you today is that God specializes in solutions. Humanity specializes in creating problems. God specializes in causing and creating solutions. The story in 2 Kings chapter 2, remember this, it's a true story. It's not a fable, it's not a fiction, it's not some, 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 somebody's idea of some nice thing that happened. No, it's a miracle that actually happened in the city of Jericho. Something that was under the surface that was about to ruin that city was actually transformed by the miracle working power of God. 2 Kings 19, uh, verse, uh, chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Would you please listen with me again? The people of the city said to Elisha, look, our Lord, this town, it's well situated. It has some potential, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Notice what happens next. Bring me a new bowl, he said. Put salt in it. This is Elisha speaking here. 
So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it, saying, This is what the Lord says, I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained pure to this day, according to the word Elisha had spoken. Here's a real story of how God decontaminated bad water. It's a supernatural story. See, God specializes in supernatural solutions, not just in the past, but today. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 13, verse 8, reminds us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's important that we never lose sight of the supernatural power of God to help people. I'm going to close my message today by reminding you of four ways that God stepped into this situation and how he brought healing. And perhaps some of this will speak to each one of us today about how we can be a part of a healing force, a blessing force, a transformational force in our world. The first thing that you see in the story is that the healing didn't happen. The transformation didn't occur until people requested God's help. They had to go to God. They went to Elisha, yes, but Elisha was the man of God. Elisha was the one that represented the man with the mantle. He represented the one that now was God's agent on the scene. And so when they went to Elisha, in essence, they were going to God. And now more than ever, we need to take our burdens. We need to take our concerns and our cares, yes, to the, to, to the God who loves us and the God who has the power to do what, what only he can do. Yes, we need to make our statements and do all those wonderful things that help us to communicate our desire for justice in the world. But at the end of the day, the one that has the greatest power to help us is Almighty God. And these folks called upon God and we need to request the help of God to pray like we've never prayed before. The second thing I want you to notice in the solution that God brought is that help came. Yes, it came. When they asked of Elisha, they were asking of God, but the help came in the form of a godly person. See, Elisha was on the scene, and God needs agents on the scene, and Elisha was a godly person who, who showed up to do the work of God, and so the miracle happened through Elisha. It didn't happen away from Elijah. The miracle happened through Elisha. Help came through a godly person. And God's miracles often happen through, through people, people who made the choice to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem, to, to, to bring to bear their best efforts to bring about transformation and healing. And all of us can be a part of that miracle working force. The third thing that I noticed from the story about the healing of the waters in Jericho is that a new solution was needed for an old problem. It's interesting because Elisha, the first thing he did when they invited him to come to that situation and said, we need, we got a well-situated city, a lot of potential here, but we got a really big problem, bad water, and we need some help. We need God's help. And Elisha stepped in. Do you remember the first thing he asked for? The first thing that Elisha asked for was a new bowl. He didn't ask for an old bowl. He asked for a new bowl. Why? because he understood you can't address old problems with old solutions. You have to have some new solutions. And I believe that as we call upon God, as we make ourselves available to be agents of his miracle working power, that God has new solutions, new ways for us to live and, and live our lives in ways that actually produce transformation and produce healing. And the fourth thing that I noticed from this story is that when God's solution is applied, he said, give me some salt, in the new bowl, and he threw the salt. He's very important. He threw the salt into the spring. 
He didn't throw the salt into the streams of the city. He threw the salt into the root issue, into the, the, the thing that was underneath the surface. He threw the salt into the spring. And the Bible says that a miracle happened. And God said, I have healed this water. And never again was the water contaminated. There was a miracle. And what I want you to see from this today is that there's hope for us as well. Just as the water in Jericho's spring was healed, we need healing in the heart of our nation. We need healing in the heart of all of us as people. Remember today, first and foremost, you are a follower of Jesus Christ. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you have resources that have been given to you that the world doesn't have. The world doesn't have these resources. And so we need to lean into the resources that God has given to us as a part of his family. Yes, there is a big problem in our land, a big problem in, in our hearts so often, but God is the solution. He specializes in solutions and he can bring the solution to our lives and to our nations as well, to our nation as well as we follow his ways. I wanna invite you to join me together in prayer and as we pray right now, Let's all of us ask God to search our hearts and to cleanse us. The Bible says that the word of God washes us, it cleanses us, it changes our minds and changes our perspective and it heals our soul. And so as I pray for myself and pray for you, let's let God do a work in us today that only our God can do. Join me in prayer. Father, we're so very thankful that you've not left us in this world without resources, that as followers of Jesus Christ, you have resourced us. You've given us things that help us to get through troublesome times. Thank you that we're not absent of those resources like much of the world is, but Lord, we come as the people of God asking, Lord, that you would reawaken those resources inside of us. Remind us that we're part of your family, that we belong to you, that you're our Father, that there's, there's no reason for hopelessness because you're our God, that we have potential that, that is before us, Lord, and we ask that those resources would begin to be real to us and and released in and through our lives. Lord, we acknowledge today the, the terrible problems that exist in our nation. We confess the sins that are part of our nation and the sins that are part of our lives, God. Lord, the times that we have not loved as we've needed to love and we've not shown care and kindness as we've needed to show care and kindness. We haven't listened as we've needed to listen. We haven't shared as we've needed to share. Lord, we haven't been the good Samaritan that we need to be at times. Lord, we ask that in Jesus' name that you would forgive us. As we mentioned a few moments ago, it's not my brother or my sister, but Lord, it's, it's me standing in the need of prayer. So God, wash us and cleanse us and renew us in the Holy Spirit. And I pray that there would be a rising sense of faith in our hearts today, God. That you're the God of solutions. The world Obviously, in the world, we have problems, but Lord, you're able to bring solutions to bear for our lives. And God, I ask you in the mighty and glorious name of Jesus that every person watching this today would sense the presence of God even now in their lives, coming to touch, to heal, to transform, to encourage. We thank you for your kindness and love to us. In Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm gonna give you a prayer to pray and 
you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.